I said, are you ready? For what? The horror bros. Alright everybody, welcome back to another edition of Horror Bros. I'm your host Jason Johnson along with... JT Johnson. How's it going everybody? Yeah. Well, uh, uh, what a movie this week. Oh, yeah. Uh, but first, a little setup. Back in 1982, there yep. were several hit films. Right. Fast Times at Richmond High, Poltergeist, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, Rocky Three, and the biggest and most important of them all, E.T., The Extraterrestrial. Yeah. Now, I mentioned E.T., not as the most important, not because it was a massive box office success in the highest grossing film of all time, right? but because it inadvertently affected how people initially treated today's film, along with some other factors that we'll discuss later in the show. Yeah. Uh, when he was a kid, director John Carpenter fell in love with a movie called The Thing from Another World from 1951. Right. In fact, fun fact, uh, Lindsay in Halloween is watching The Thing from Another World uh, uh, when Anne is babysitting her. Yeah. That's what, that's what they're watching on the screen. Uh, he also fell in love with the novella that the movie was based on titled who goes there written by John W. Campbell jr. And when Carpenter became a filmmaker, he wanted to remake the film and make an adaptation that was closer to the novella than the original film had been. Yeah. And of course that film is the thing. That's what we're covering today. The film follows at least one or two scientific researchers, a couple of doctors, a stoner, a cook, a military officer, a dog lover, and a pilot uh, at an isolated base in Antarctica called Outpost uh, Number 31. Yeah. While there, they discover a, cr a crashed spaceship, and when they discover that the alien that came from the ship isn't so dead after all, they have another problem. This isn't a monster that's in your face like like uh, Alien or something along those lines. Right. You can't see this alien coming because this alien can take on the form of any living thing, including us mere mortals. Now, the question is, who is infected and who can be trusted? One thing is for sure, you might be able to trust the pilot. Or can you? Sure you can. But yeah. not really. But maybe. But you can because he's Kurt <laughs> well, Russell. Well, at the, time, <laughs> at, the time, at the time, he was not Kurt Russell. He yeah. was Disney. He was the computer with the, with the tennis shoes or whatever the hell he yeah. did from Disney. Yeah. Um, but the cast includes uh, Wilford Brimley as Blair, the crazy doctor who is the first to truly understand is, uh, what is going on. I'll give you a hint. It ain't diabetes. T.K. Carter is Knowles, everyone's favorite roller skating cook. David Clennon as Palmer, everyone's favorite stoner. Uh, Richard Dysart as Copper, the other more level-headed doctor. Charles Hallahan as Norris, the man that eventually has a hell of a bite. Peter Maloney as Bennings, a man who just wants you to turn down the volume because he got shot today. Yeah. I love that fucking line. Anyway, uh, Richard Mazur as Clark, the socially distant one who would rather be with his dogs. Seriously, this guy is a little too attached to these animals. Mm -hmm. uh, but a quick fun fact, Mazur turned down a role in E.T. to be in this film. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, 
Um, Donald Moffat as the trigger-happy Gary that finally gets to use his pop gun. Joel Polis as Fuchs, the only man who seems to be trying to solve the situation, but isn't really all that memorable. Yeah. Um, Thomas G. Waits as Windows, the far too panicky radio control operator. One of my favorite character actors, Keith David as Childs, the wannabe leader who doesn't trust anybody. Mm -hmm. And of course, finally, we've already mentioned him, Kurt Russell as R.J. McReady, the no-nonsense and headstrong pilot with an awesome fucking hat and a massive hatred for computerized chess. Yes. (laughs) Um, uh, Well, let me. I want to go ahead and interject here just on the cast. Listen, you read off a bunch of names there, and the majority of people are going to hear those names and go, who the fuck is that? But (laughs) if you see them... You will damn sure know them because this film is chock full of some of the best character actors of the last 30 fucking years. Absolutely. And like, for example, uh, Bennings, the guy who, uh, who yeah. got shot or no, no, not, not Bennings. Um, one of the, just, just one of those, I'm, I'm pulling one of those wild ones yeah. out of the hat here, yeah. but the guy who plays, uh, the researcher who I said isn't all that memorable. Yeah. <laughs> I got to find him real quick. Uh, Joel Polis is Fuchs. I was like, I know him from somewhere. Where can I, I've seen him. Mm-hmm. He's Gary from Gary's bar in cheers. The one they always had yeah. a feud with. Yeah. It's him. And I was just like, where the hell did I notice and then, him from? And then, well, and then like, you know, Mazard, um, um, uh, uh, Moffat, all those guys. I mean, they've been in a million things, and you will see in like Wilford you know, Brimley, Wilford Brimley, of course, <laughs> and then of course he's a little more famous, and then but then uh, but you you see them. There's they were in so much shit that if if you see them, you go, oh yeah, that guy. They are the answer whenever you look up in the dictionary that guy from that thing. Yeah. You know, that's why I, that's why I love uh, I love Keith David. Uh, yeah, Keith David is amazing. Uh, what was that movie with Emilio Estevez and uh, Charlie Sheen, where they're they're two garbage? Oh God, people. Uh, it's so it, good too. And it, it work? dirty work. Is that, no, not dirty no, work. Dirty work, work was Norm McDonald. Yeah, uh, it it minute, minute work? work. I think it may I have been minute it. work. Yeah, they meet they meet Keith, Keith David. I yeah. forget the character's name in a bar or, or in a, a diner. Yeah. And they're about to leave. And Emilio Estevez goes for the fries and Keith yeah. David just grabs his arms. Like there are a few things in this world that you never touch. Man's French fries is one of them. Yeah. And he just kind of tightens his grip. He, and I'm well, like, that's the thing. He has always uh, played uh funny, crazy so well, yeah. you know, it, oh, yeah. it, it, it's, it's so, yeah, I, I love Keith David, but yeah. And, and he's a John Carpenter, um, uh, recurring uh, actor as well. So we'll yeah. see him again, probably in another film. Oh, one of my favorites. I'll go ahead and tease that they live. We'll get to that one. Oh God. Yeah. God damn. That movie's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, no, these, these, uh, you're absolutely right. That, that is one of the things I notice every time I watch this film is that it's just, it's filled with, uh, as I heard someone else say one day, memorable faces, whose names you can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> it's that, that's the def, like you said, definition of character actor, but, uh, real quick, before we talk, talk about the movie, uh, we'll do first impressions here. Jason, when did you first watch the thing? And, and, and more to the point, because this is very important. 
what did you think of the film when you first saw it? Because as we all know, this film didn't start off as one of the best films ever in terms of people's perceptions. Right. Um, um, so, uh, Banyan Patterson's house, uh, it was a sleepover. Uh, it was me and a bunch of people for his birthday and we watched the thing and it was probably, I was probably 10 or 11 years old. Um, it was all right. I was, I, I was, you know, you got a bunch of people in the room, you know, people aren't really sitting there watching the movie, you know, it's just leave over there. Especially at that age. Yeah, yeah. And at that age. And so you're kind of like, oh yeah, it's cool. Whatever. You know, um, I, um, and I'll tell you, um, did not watch it again until today. <laughs> I, I remember, awesome. I remembered, I liked the film, uh, back then, you know, as far as, oh, cool. This is a horror film. But again, didn't remember much. It was a birthday party yeah. for fuck's sake. We weren't paying much yeah. attention. And then, um, I realized last week when you know, I thought, okay, I'm gonna have to watch that again. And then I realized I was sitting there thinking about it. I was like, oh shit. I haven't watched that since that party that night. And so, um, yeah, and and wow, I was, what an impressive film. I first watched this, I can tell you exactly when I first watched it. I watched it in 2002. Uh, there was a channel called the Sci-Fi Channel, not S-Y-F-Y, whatever the fuck that is. I'm right. talking Sci-Fi Channel. Yeah. Uh, and back in that those days, kids, uh, we didn't have TikTok or YouTube rabbit holes. We had channel surfing. Yep. Uh, and I randomly turned it to sci-fi, and they were advertising a video game called The Thing, which yeah. I'll talk a little bit more about that a little bit later. Um, and the game was about to come out, and so they wanted to show the movie because the video game... Uh, one thing I can say is the video game was a sequel to the movie. It wasn't just uh, covering the movie. And so I was like, oh, you know what? I ain't got nothing else to watch. I'll watch this movie. And even in that compromised TV edited version, right. I fucking fell in love with this movie. This is 2002, so I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm a junior at yeah. this point in high school. Perfect fucking age. Again, horror film, you know, that that's really the ripe age right there. Yep. And I fucking fell in love with this movie to the point where... I want to say not even two days later, I walked all the way to the Sam Goody <laughs> yep. that we used to have in El Dorado, and I bought the DVD just so I could watch it unedited, and of course I fell in love with it. I'll right. go ahead and tell you right now, this is where it falls in my ranking. Halloween, number one. The Thing, number two. Wow. The Thing is number two for me, Yeah, yeah. and it's just... It's such an impressive film. I mean, it's got genuine thrills. Because even on TV, I was like, yeah. holy shit. Yeah. Um, it's got fantastic special effects makeup. Well, and, and I, I'm going to talk effects. with you about that. Um, and, and then it's got that same mood and vibe of John Carpenter. And uh, it even has uh, Ennio Mor- Morricone as the composer. This is one of the few movies John Carpenter didn't compose yeah a little bit of irony there i'll go ahead and mention this fact got a razzie for this fucking score which is totally undeserved wow that just goes that yeah. just goes to show the reputation of this movie at the time yeah but here's the kicker 
he used parts of the score um, that he didn't use for the thing. He used in Quentin Tarantino's The Hateful Eight and won a goddamn Academy Award. I'll be damned. So, <laughs> no, I'll be damned. Um, um, but anyway, yeah, this movie, I just love it. Yeah. I, I, it's fantastic. But what do you what do you have to say? Because you're you're kind of coming at it with surprisingly fresh eyes. Yeah, you? yeah, and I didn't realize I for some reason it. I thought I had seen this movie again, like you know, a few years later or what. But I I got to thinking about it and I and I hadn't. I think maybe I've caught like five minutes of it here, five minutes of it there kind of thing, you know, just flipping through channels. But um, never never really sat down and and truly watched it again. Um, I, I love the film. Uh, again, you not only, not only do you have the main bad, which is this alien creature, but you have the subplot of everyone being suspicious of everyone else because it can take on the form of another you know, being, um, you, the special effects are insane on this movie for the time period. They it's are also, so good. It's also a brilliant advertisement for J and B scotch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Shows um, up a lot, but yes, absolutely. And the, well, in, in, and I'll say this much, um, uh, or I want to ask you about this. Let me just put it that way. Um, uh, I'm used to Carpenter not having like great budgets. He has, you know, and all this. St- was this film one where they were like, okay, it's John Carpenter. He's proven we're going to give him some money because these this, effects for eight for 1982 are fucking amazing. This film is, uh, this is 82. Yeah. Horror films are now back in the forefront. Studios right. are making horror films. Uh, Universal has a multi-film contract with John Carpenter because they, they're the ones that did Halloween two and Halloween three. And, uh, uh, and so Carpenter is red fucking hot at this point. Yeah. Like this is the tipping point for how hot he is. And so, yes, the budget of the film is $15 million in 1982 money. Yeah. Now, that's a lot of goddamn money. Now still, even then that's not like, the most expensive movie ever made obviously yeah but in horror film terms that's like oh you just gave a big blockbuster 150 million dollar budget right because you could do so much more and 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 let's face facts special effects makeup artists and all these people who work on these horror films they're already talented on a five hundred thousand dollar budget yeah you're gonna give them money now yeah hell yeah in fact the guy that's behind it is uh rob botten and he was 22 years old mm-hmm. when he made this movie. He championed, he campaigned for it hard to get it. Right. Um, he he worked on it so hard, though, he got exhaustion. And Stan Winston and his team had to step in to help finish some shots. Wow. So it's got a huge pedigree. Uh, Botten, I think, did uh, The Howling. Mm-hmm. I think that was his big claim to fame, uh, either, I think, before this, because I think that's what got him the job. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and it's great. I mean, when the head, there's a scene where the head rips yeah, off. And that was the one that really got me. That's the one where I went, okay, these effects have been phenomenal so far. That is fucking amazing. Yeah. And it's like plastic tubing and bubble gum yeah. and, mel- and melted bubble gum. That's seriously what it is. Yeah. It's just um, uh, inner tubes, anything they could get. Now, when they mm-hmm. did the big carcass thing, they used actual. Uh, 
animal organs. Yeah. Um, they actually use those. And it, what the irony is, is in the movie, Wilford Brimley is there. <clears throat> yeah. He's the one gagging. Behind the scenes, he was the only one that didn't gag. Yeah. Like, he was the cool customer. He's like, all yeah. right, let's just do it. <laughs> you know? And speaking of but, Wilford yeah. Brimley, man, does that Dr. He play know so much? Holy shit, that dude, well, he, he, like, pops he, open the fucking body and goes, next thing you know, he's like, yep, that's alien, and it's uh, it's able to replicate shit, you know? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Well, well, Jason, you have to understand, Blair had the help of those 1980s computer simulations that could show you every yes. fucking step. That shit was, was yeah, that shit was hilarious. He's running computer simulations <laughs> that I know for fact um, they Looks could like not do. Asteroids. It did. It looked like <laughs> asteroids. And, and I know for fact that computers were not that strong in 1982. Speaking of computers, this movie opens up with a fucking hilarious scene because... Kurt Russell is playing chess on a computer that is solely designated <laughs> to play chess. I think it's named like the chess master or some it shit. It is. Yeah. And so he's playing on it. Now, I can tell you from living through this era, that computer would have been worth the price of a small house. Okay. Yep. <laughs> because of, of the time period. And he loses chess to this computer, immediately opens up a panel on the front, and dumps his scotch into it and destroys the computer. And he's just like, in such then, a, he just being Kurt Russell as fuck in that moment. Then, yeah, looks yeah. at the screen and goes, cheating bitch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, him, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, he's... And I'm, I'm that, just like, okay, okay. Well, here's, here's my thought. You're also in an outpost where all you really have is apparently a fuck ton of weed and yeah. and videos of game show reruns. Like, right. Don't destroy the one piece of technology that's was right. made for entertainment. You right. Know? And <laughs> you ain't got much. Uh, but but well we're also <laughs> forgetting scene. the other stuff they have uh for entertainment there though at Outpost thirty one. Uh, which I don't know what kind of research they were doing, but apparently it required a metric fuck ton of explosives and <laughs> flamethrowers. I don't know what the fuck they were outfitted for at that place, but <laughs> by God, whatever it was, they were I, they were set to burn it. I think it. I can't remember. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think, that's the one thing they don't explicitly state. What the hell? They're there to research. I, I would no, imagine, they never say it. Yeah, I would imagine it's it's to dig in the ice for shit. But yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, but god damn, an arsenal. But it and also, I, well, I will say, I guess Gary is supposed to be there to prove that this is a sort of scientific slash military effort. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> and I know the I know the background. Uh, that they wrote for McCready that didn't make it into the film was that yeah. he was a military pilot that was like suffering from PTSD due to Vietnam. And yeah. that's why he's drinking a lot in the movie. And that's why he has insomnia and he's up right. when the thing attacks. Uh, but yeah, they never make it quite clear what's going on. Fun fact about that chess game though, the female voice, which by the way, is the only female presence in this movie. That's another unique thing about yeah. this horror film. There's no female, right? Like final girl character. Yeah. Um, uh, the voice of the chess was uh, John Carpenter's wife at the time, uh, Adrian Barbeau. I'll be and damned. So that uh, gives her a little bit of an unofficial appearance in this movie. Of course, she's in 
escaped from New York as well. Right. But uh, <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, one of the best scenes in the movie is when Blair like Brimley goes off. Yeah, and yeah. starts smashing every fucking thing in there. Right. Which re- in reality, best fucking thing. Yeah, he could be doing. He was the smartest he guy. Yeah, there is. Yeah. You know, and, destroy communications. We're never going to get out of here. You know, and that's and, fine because you want to contain that shit. But to contrast that scene, of course they subdue him. They right. lock him up into the shed, and eventually, a little bit later in the film, McCready goes back to check on him. And I fucking love the visual. They open up a little slot, and there he yeah. is looking at him like. Can I come back in? I'm yeah. fine. I'm fine. And there's a fucking there's, noose. He's already made a noose <laughs> and hung it up there. He's a, he's like, well, eh, may as well just hang myself. But well, maybe when they check on me next time, I'll, I'll see if I can go back inside. <laughs> you know, it's oh yeah, that it, that and and it was the way he played that was hilarious. And, and and I will have to say, Wilford Brimley, Sands mustache, weird looking fucking guy. He needs his mustache. <laughs> well, just a very average looking yeah, guy. Like he's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Just not, nothing special about him. Yeah. You know, the mustache, yeah, definitely adds to him. Um, I will say this. I like that even though it's it's obvious. Now, again, try to imagine Kurt Russell's not really a big name at the time of this film's release. Right. He had done, he had done Escape from New York, but that was another little cult hit. It right. wasn't like a ma- major thing. Yes, it's obvious he's the main character, but I like that the movie does treat him w- with almost an equal uh, mistrust. Because yeah. if there's one theme in this movie, it, it's who can you trust? It's right. the ultimate allegory of the Cold War, you know, that it's within. But it's also an allegory at the time for the AIDS epidemic of we yeah. don't know who's infected. The only thing that can do it is a blood test. Right. Which, by the way, is one of the coolest fucking scenes Very uh, cool. in the film as yeah. well. Uh, I love that. Yeah. And then to, comes jumping out of that and which leads to one of my favorite uh lines that i'm gonna go ahead and say here which is gary he's the last one the military guy right because you're the only one that could have gotten to the blood um and of course they test him and he's actually fine right it leads to i know you gentlemen have been through a lot Mm -hmm. but if you don't mind i don't want to spend the whole winter tied to this fucking couch i yeah fucking love that moment um but yeah that was something I wanted to say is like, or, or ask you, the mistrust, uh, the McCarthyism sort of thing. Yeah. It's weird how oddly relevant that is even today. Today? Yeah. Well, and it's, and, and that's, <laughs> you know, um, shout out to Quee. Quee Win. He, he, a uh, good friend of, I went to high school with him. JT, of course, knows him because, you know, Kui was always over at the house and all, and and in time we've all you know we've kept up with each other. Kui came out with his new his movie. He just shout out to Kui. Kui, it's a fantastic fucking movie. I love it. A lot of his movie, in fact, the entire movie deals with trust, having now, trust in one another. Now be safe. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, Kui, I know. I'm gonna I watch know. it soon. I know. I'm not. I'm not giving any spoilers, <laughs> but I'm just saying that movie has a lot to do. With that very message, um, because I think it's a, I I think it's a message that goes through all of human history. We 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 are a suspicious animal. 
we we in and that has that mistrust i can remember when um uh when uh the soviet union fell back in the in the in 92 um and we started you know slowly but surely we were opening up our borders to each other we were looking at our files going into you know we started looking into things that we were doing things they were doing you know and all that and come to find out of course, the message in the United States was uh, you can't trust those goddamn Americans or, or those goddamn Russians. They're going to come over here and take over and make us all communists. But the odd part was is when we broke in, you know, we finally got into their files and started looking at their people. Same thing. You can't trust <laughs> those goddamn Americans. They're going to come over here and they're going to take away our, our, our form of life. They're going to try and invade us. And if they had ever just talked and said, oh, wait a minute. No, no, y'all just sit there. You're fine. And we're going to sit over here and we're fine. And, uh, you know, and, you know, and of course it went a lot deeper than that. But it but but it was throughout human history. Yeah. And I, so I think that's what makes the message of that makes the message of Ryan Last Dragon. The whole trust thing. Very, you know, it's just a message that goes throughout all of uh, human history. Wait, wait, wait! You're saying we 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 don't have to nuke each other? Yes, that's we're, what we're I'm good. saying. Yeah, we're, yeah, we can. You sure? You're right. Yeah, because we got them. Right. We built a fucking lot of them. Yeah, and that's and that's why because <laughs> they built a lot of them, so yeah. we built a lot of them, and they built a lot, and then we built more. And well, deterrence. Know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, <laughs> of course, I could get into how we bankrupted them through that and all that jazz. And that's the reason why they failed. But I'm not going to go there because this is a show about the thing. Let's go back to the thing. Um, real quick, I do have just a couple little, uh, quick hits on the, on the behind the scenes. One of the things I love about this film also is the title that burns into the screen, the thing. Yeah. Uh, the effect of doing that was actually fairly simple. They got a fish tank, they filled it up with smoke. Right. Uh, they put an animation cell in front of the fish tank that had the thing on it. Mm-hmm. And then they took a trash bag and put that in front of it and just lit the fucker on fire. And as the plastic melted away, the thing emerged on the screen. That's how they caught that in camera. That will be uh, damn. With no digital effects. This is 82. We haven't quite yep. gotten the digital effects yet. Yep. So uh, I just, I love that little fact. And then uh, this is cool. There's the scene where the dog, go. that's the alien, walks mm-hmm. into a room and we see a shadow on the wall. Yeah. John Carpenter didn't want anyone to guess who the cast member was that was visited by the dog. Yeah. So that's none of the actors. That's a totally different person from everyone else just yeah. to kind of keep it a, keep it a secret. So, uh, another little fun fact, the Norwegian that yeah. is chasing the dog, because what happens is, is a Norwegian <laughs> camp. Yeah. That's <laughs> they're the ones who found the ship and the alien came out. Right. Well, they're actually shouting, it's not human, it's not human, kill it. Yeah. So if any of those assholes could have sp- could have spoken their language. Whatever the fuck them people speak over there. <laughs> <laughs> to be what American about it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but let's, fa- let's face facts, uh, we probably would be that way. We're, yeah, yeah. We've proven yeah. to be quite stupid over the past four years. Yeah. Uh, especially. But um, uh, but yeah, that so that there was that scene with the dog, and then, yeah. uh, of course, 
Kurt Russell was not the first choice for McCready. Yeah. Um, Nick Nolte and Jeff Bridges turned down the role. Nobody that did. would have been, I think Jeff Bridges would have been interesting. Yeah. Nick Nolte would have been funny. Yeah. If you, yeah want, but... if you want me to go up, I'll go up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, but one actor who actually tried to campaign a lot for the role was a relatively unknown actor at the time named Fred Ward. I'll be damned. He was going for it. He would have been. He would have been good. He would have been good. He would have definitely yeah. been good. Um, uh, Bridges, man, I'm. Uh, yeah, at that time because that he time, was. Yeah. He was more of a. a, a uh, he could do much more serious stuff and things of those. Now I think. I'll be honest with you, ever since he was the dude, it's kind of hard not to cast him as this funny, you know, just old hippie guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Even his True Grit performances. Oh, God damn her. Yeah, yeah. You still, it's, <laughs> it's like the dude decided to go be a cowboy, you know? I mean, it's just, um, but yeah. Now, uh, real quick, did you, you said you were going to say something about the special effects makeup? Earlier, no, 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 no. You, it wasn't about the special or? effects. Yeah, no, it was. I was going to ask you about the budget because I'm just not oh, used yeah. to Carpenter yeah, right. having right. the money to do effects like what's in this fucking film, and and then so I'm watching it, going, God damn, his head literally just stretched off, sprouted <laughs> legs, and walked across the fucking room. Uh, but real quick, the main behind the story for this film is what I like to call. Uh, the most successful box office failure of all time. Yeah. Because the movie, the movie was a huge bomb. Yeah. It uh, was, and, and it, it, I mean, it, it lost the studio money, and there's reasons for that. But first thing to note is that the thing is considered the first chapter in what John Carpenter calls his apocalypse trilogy. Mm -hmm. uh, the other films include 1987's Prince of Darkness. Not a bad movie. Probably one of his weaker efforts, but yeah. still good. I mean, it's good little low-budget film. And then 1994's In the Mouth of Madness, which yeah. when we visit the 90s, yeah. we'll get to it. And I'm going to and I'm gonna watch it then. I have never seen that movie. And I have, oh. from not only you, but from several, several people, it, 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 that it's one of the best films ever made. The reason he calls it the Apocalypse Trilogy is that there are three films that potentially have have potentially world-ending disasters, but yeah. also have a lot of like Lovecraftian themes and yeah. kind of a horror horror in the cosmos right. combined, which is what Lovecraft, Lovecraftian means for those who always wondered what that meant. Um, oh, it doesn't mean like extremely horrific racists? That uh, named his cat the N word. <laughs> That's what I thought Lovecraftian mean meant. Oh man, uh, yeah, no, it's that too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, as I said, though, the film was notoriously criticized, and it was a massive box office bomb uh, when it was initially released, and was regarded as like the worst film ever made at yeah. the time. Like it was that hated. Here's why: it came out as the year of those hits that I mentioned yeah. earlier. And more importantly, E.T. the Extraterrestrial. The country was also going through a recession, and things were actually very uncertain in the country, very similar to now. Yeah. Uh, and no one wanted to see post-apocalyptic film with an already-looking monster. They wanted the cute, cuddly, friendly alien. 
at the time. Right. That's what they wanted. Uh, the saving grace, though, for this movie is that this is the beginning of the home video market. And not long after it's released on home video, mm-hmm. and horror is at a height throughout the 80s, there was no way this film was not going to be discovered by uh, young audiences. And mm-hmm. so a huge cult following started to form. But then later on, even the critics started to uh, reevaluate the movie. And a lot of the critics who initially hated it said, oh, no, this is not not only one of the greatest horror films ever made, it's one of the greatest science fiction films ever made. It's, mm-hmm. you know, John Carpenter really had a lot to say. John Carpenter, unfortunately, took a big hit from this movie. Yeah. He lost that multi-film contract with Universal. Yeah. They cut him loose. He was going to do Firestarter next i'll be damned he and that would have been an interesting version of that yeah. movie but um and he he had to go back to doing low budget films because like no one wanted to hire him because he made the thing yeah today he's actually very grateful that people liked it but he said he wished that that film had been a hit because that was the film that probably would have taken him on to something yeah he would even have skyrocketed bigger. from there yeah and uh, but no, he 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 actually considers the movie his personal favorite film. Yeah, that it's the one he considers his his best work, and I can totally see why. I mean, it, yeah. it's John Carpenter at eleven. Yeah. <laughs> it's really and good, you know, and um, fantastic. I'm going to give you a hot take on ET. Uh, listen, when I was a kid in, in 1982, loved that film. Made mom and dad take me to see it twice. Uh, after having kids of my own and watching it again some years later, that movie's unfucking watchable now. I can't watch it. Oh, I totally can. Got a still book for it in my room. I cannot Love watch that. that I cannot watch that fucking movie again. <laughs> I don't know what it is about it, but it just I I can't do it. And and and. <laughs> And, and I don't get it because you would think that with as much as I loved, I mean, I had t- toys and everything. You would think that I would at least for the nostalgia factor, you know, be able to go back and watch this movie again over and over. Uh, but no, I can't. I can't do it. I, I don't know why. <laughs> I would. I can remember we, you know, we bought it for each one of my children. Bought it for all of them. You know, uh, whatever latest version was out. And uh, tried to sit down and watch it with them. Couldn't do it. Could not do it. Um, I. Uh, it's like my brain has a block <laughs> or something. It's weird. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, I mean, I, I I still like the film, but yeah, it's it's a nostalgic film. It's yeah. Uh, uh, and don't get me it wrong. It is. I think it's it's definitely uh, of its time for sure. Yeah. Definitely. Listen, for the reasons why everyone loved that movie, uh, Drew Barrymore at like five years old saying penis breath. That was hilarious. <laughs> um, the uh, um, the special effects and how they were amazing. And the yeah. story really is a feel good story. Yeah. You know, you know, and, you know but it's pro- just, I get I it, but I just can't do it. Up. I think part of the problem is we grow up and and feel good stories don't 
don't feel real anymore. So <laughs> well, that and they don't make us feel good anymore. <laughs> oh, really? Really? You think you're going to take down the entire goddamn government with a couple of bikes, huh? No, they're going to come in. They're going to cut your little buddy open. They're going to rip out his glowing goddamn heart. They're going to figure out a way to exploit it, turn it into iPhone screen material or something, and then we're all going to fucking have to deal with that. And then, you know what they're going to do to you, Elliot? They're going to silence you. They're going to silence you and your fucking family and anyone who ever saw that little fucker running around. Yeah, you know. Okay, before we fall too much into the conspiracy so, theory. Now let's get back uh, into the apocalypse <laughs> with the thing. <laughs> yeah. Let's go back to another feel-good movie, shall we? Yeah. Uh, or at least feel-good feel good compared to your fucking version of reality. Goddamn. Yeah, why not? <laughs> That would be fucking hilarious. I go and remake E.T., but that's the outcome of it, you know. It's like, here's reality, motherfuckers. I told You're you. Sitting there, yeah. sitting there with a fucking cigarette. Yeah. Let me tell you. Yeah. I'll take those Reese's Pieces and shove them up your ass. Yeah. <laughs> or, it, or, it, or it opens up instead of like the normal open. It's like... I'm telling you now, I saw it. There was an alien craft that landed somewhere out in those woods. There's kids coming in there. They're putting chemicals in the, in the water to make frogs gay. And then for, for gay frogs, they're going to make our children gay. And the Bilderberg group, and that is, so Alex Jones's version <laughs> of E.T. pops up. And it's just this huge conspiracy theory. Now, please buy my bath salts. Mm-hmm. These are survival yeah. tactical bath salts. Yeah. John Carpenter tried to tell us all whenever he made the thing. Uh, and, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, you know how it is, <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, um, but yeah, back to the thing. I, I, that was, well, that was a fun little side rant. Now, wasn't it people? <laughs> <laughs> well, now I, uh, I would usually say like, what's the legacy of the thing? Like sequels and stuff like right. that. But the film died at the fucking box office. Right. There were no sequels until much later. Mm -hmm. uh, in 2002, there was a video game made, and the video game was pretty cool. It was a sequel where the team went in to investigate the uh, outpost, right. and the problem was is like any one of you could be infected, yeah, even yourself. So there could be a random moment in the fucking game where you're playing it, and then suddenly you transform into the fucking thing and game over. Oh wow! And so it was a it was a pretty good. It was a pretty good hit, and it was actually pretty scary. I played the game. It was or it was scary at the time. I'm sure if I played it today, it looks fucking ridiculous. But it's PlayStation 2. Right. So, <laughs> um, but it was a pretty big hit, and there was actually going to be a sequel. But the video game company that made it went out of business. They had to declare bankruptcy, so the game never saw the light of day. Uh, but in 2011 was when we also got... Uh, another movie called Simply the Thing, but this movie was a prequel, and it actually told the story of the Norwegian camp. Yeah. But stars Mary Elizabeth Winstead, because why not? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the prequel, I will say this. I actually think it's good. It's forgettable, and no one saw it. Like, I mean, the critics, of course, ravaged it. Yeah. It, it does suffer from that one thing that a lot of revisits to horror hat came came from. Yeah. CGI. Yeah. They try to CGI the thing in, in many points, and therefore, it's like they did this better in yeah. 80 fucking two. Yeah. Like, with, with tubes and bubble gum. With uh, tubes yeah. and bubble gum. Uh, but if you get a chance to see it, it's actually 
what the reason I say it's good is they actually cover all those moments you saw the destroyed base in the movie. Yeah. Like there's a point in the movie where they walk up and you see an axe in, in like the doorway or whatever. Mm-hmm. They actually show how that axe got there. Yeah. Uh, they actually show the guy who killed himself and has the slit wrist in, in the yeah, first movie yeah, and he's yeah. frozen. They actually show how that happened. Uh, mm-hmm. So it, it, it reveals all that it reveals how it broke out of the ice and all that, all that stuff. So it's, it's actually made by fans but again, it just kind of suffered from people just kind of forgot it and left it in the yeah, left it in the yeah. bargain bin at it, Walmart. It is so. available on HBO Max now. If you want to go see the uh, prequel to the thing, it's also so the called prequel's the prequel's there, but not the original. But not the original. Yeah, I had to rent the original. Jesus. Um. Um. Well, real quick, this is another another thing that I want to do. I want to go ahead and give our favorite quote and or monologue for the film. I figure this is something we can kind of go out on uh, in in addition to our final verdict. Uh, Mine is very simple. It's a simple one because it's Kurt Russell at 11 and it's a simple line. The thing, it it has fully shown itself. Mm -hmm. He's got the stick of fucking dynamite. And this thing just howls at him, and he just takes the dynamite and goes, "Yeah, fuck you too." Yeah, <laughs> blows him up. Perfect fucking line delivery. So that's why it's my favorite quote. Oh yeah, uh, I mean, because it, it could movie. because that could be a quote directly from Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, you know, that could <laughs> you pick oh. pick a fucking movie <laughs> with Kurt Russell, and that could be a quote from it. Real quick. Uh, if you're wondering, well, why didn't they destroy the original body? This was another note I wanted to make about mm-hmm. Why didn't they destroy the original body? Why did they keep that huge mangled carcass or whatever? Uh, because they use that awesome reason for any alien body or tech is found in a film. The reason for destroying it is always the same. You can't destroy the find of the century, quote unquote. Right. And because someone's going to get a Nobel prize for that thing. Right. That's in every one of these fucking movies. Every time. God damn it. And I'm like, no, you're not going to get a Nobel prize. Yeah. You're going to die a horrible, horrible death. That's what's going to happen. But anyway, back to the favorite quotes. Yes. And uh, I, mine's I simple. It it's at the very end of the movie. Why don't we just sit here in a while and see what happens? Uh, that's, a you great, know. that's a great yeah. scene between him and yeah. Keith David. Yeah. Because they're the la- they're the lone survivors, and you know it's like, God damn it, you know. But you're not really a survivor because you're stuck in the Antarctic with no heat at a hundred below degree, you know, temperature. You know what? Technically, we didn't see him die. So in this case, Keith yeah. David, congratulations, black man didn't die in the movie. That's right. That's right. That's- but. The other black guy did. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but lasted a long time. Yeah, yeah. Eighties <laughs> horror film. Eighties horror films. That was not common, <laughs> folks. Um, uh, uh, but yeah, I, so, I, I would say the only other line that I've got, just real quick, is uh, yeah. when they finally noticed the spider. Yeah. This is always a great response when they and it's the stoner. Looks, yeah. You gotta be fucking kidding. His yeah. delivery is perfect. And, and Kurt Russell actually says in the commentary, and he starts to chuckle. He says, Every time I hear him say that, I chuckle. Yeah. He like, you just can't help it. But, yep. uh, 
So, so final verdicts here. What, what, what are we going to do here? I was about to say, I think, yeah, we're t- definitely time for the final verdict. So I will give this five out of five J and B scotches. Nice, nice. I'll, I'll give it uh, six out of six chess master computers <laughs> with J and B scotch in them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Destroyed. Yeah. Uh, chess yes. master. God damn it. Cheap bitch. Yeah. Still, I love it. Love it. So, before we get out of here, JT, you have any final words, things you want to tell the audience? Maybe you know what we're doing next week and all that jazz. Uh, don't do drugs. Stay in school. Yeah. All that other crap. Uh, but yes, no. Next week on Horror Bros, another all-time favorite for me. Night. We're going ahead two years now. Nineteen eighty-four, the yeah. year of my birth. Yes. Because a month before I was born, this film came out. And also built an entire film studio. And that is uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street. I'll be damned, yep. And we will learn the origins of not only Freddy Krueger, but of a small company called New Line Cinema. Nice, nice. Um, So, yeah. um, Let me just say, uh, that there sportscast, check that out. Fetsplaining, check that out. We're going to have a new episode of that coming out this week. And as always, the big sad. As far as this goes, please like, rate, subscribe, and review. Uh, uh, that really, really helps us out. And uh, well, as for me and JT, until next we record about uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, we're just going to sit here a while and see what happens. And remember, everybody, love each other. Bye. Later. Later.